So we are in week two, week two of our sermon series on the Apostles' Creed. I'm getting to know you, you're getting to know me, we're trying to, uh, to go to a foundational level of what it is we believe. Um, so that's why we're starting off with a series on the Apostles' Creed, which says, I believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. You'll notice that the, the creed is structured around the Trinity. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in God the Holy Spirit. So now we're going to start with God the Son today, Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus. The Catechism spends nine Lord's Days. So in the Lord's Days, sometimes there's you know, two, three, four question and answer. So you can see that just by the structure of the catechism, when this creed was developed or finally put into written form, this was, this was the thing that they were concerned with. Who is God the Son? Who is Jesus Christ? So that's what we're going to be talking about now for the, the next couple of weeks. You'll be happy to know that my voice has returned back to its original form. So thankfully, it was only one week where it was, uh, it was deeper than usual. Well, before we get into God's word this morning, let's, let's go ahead and uh, seek him out in prayer. Lord, we are thankful that you've brought us to this place. You've invited us into worship this morning. You've welcomed us with your words of grace and peace and love. Lord, we've been able to respond with words back to you of love and trust. God, now, as we come to your word, we pray that we would be humble, that we would hear your words with our ears, receive them with our hearts, with our brains. And God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, may those words sink deeply into us, changing us, transforming us, convicting us of sin, but even more so, God, assuring us of your love. Be with us now as we talk about your Son, our Lord. And it's in his name we pray, amen. So you're invited to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 16. So the book of Acts, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. So the book right after the book of John, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, or as some call the Acts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at Acts chapter 16. Verses 16 through 34. And this recounts the story of uh, Paul and Silas in Philippi. They were sharing the gospel in Philippi, and well, we'll read what happens. Hear now God's word for us this morning. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, We were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Well, finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. 
They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. But suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? But they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? It's an important question. On a college campus in the Washington, D.C. area, someone from a group called Frontline D.C. This is, this is a group, it's a young adult ministry that comes out of a Bible church in D.C. Well, they went around a college campus asking this question. Who do you believe Jesus Christ to be? Who do you believe Jesus Christ to be? Do you want to hear some of the answers? Some of the responses? Are you curious? Okay. Here are some of the responses. A Jew. A reformer. But I don't believe him to be the Messiah at all. With emphasis on this last at all part. A girl said, Ooh, I don't believe in Jesus Christ. I mean, I believe he existed, but I don't believe in him as a religious force. He's a person in history. That's all, said one young man shrugging his shoulders. It's a comfy story that probably makes people feel, feel secure, said a young woman. A long-haired guy with uh, big sunglasses said, he's not my savior, but he was a good guy. A rather confident young woman said, a person, a historical figure, that's it. Then a, uh, a lady, a little bit older lady, said, He definitely did not die for my sins. Maybe he existed. I don't believe that he's going to save me. And finally, this young woman in honesty says, I actually don't know yet. It's something that I'm still trying to figure out. 
Who do you believe Jesus Christ to be? Well, our passage this morning is full of people who need to be saved, people who need to be rescued, people who need to be delivered. These are people who need to have a personal experience with the reality of Jesus Christ. We're first introduced to an unnamed slave girl. An unnamed slave girl. And we're told that she is possessed by a spirit that allows her to tell the future. She's a soothsayer. Well, some men have noticed that she's able to do this. And we're told that they were making profit from her ability to tell the future. We're told that they are her owners. They are her masters. It doesn't sound too far off from what modern slavery would be like today. She is held in bondage. She is held in chains by these men who are probably only concerned with her and her ability to make them money. And we know that she's possessed by a spirit. To be accurate, she is possessed by the python spirit. This is uh, a way that uh, women who were possessed were thought to be able to have communication with the god Apollos. Here is an unnamed slave girl in bonds that needs to be delivered. She needs to be freed. Well, Paul and Silas, well, they need to be delivered. Now, after they cast the spirit out of this girl in the name of Jesus, sinking her master's lucrative business, well, they are brought before the city magistrates. They're brought before the authorities. They say that the city is in an uproar because of these men and and what they are proclaiming, what they are spreading in our city. So they are stripped of their clothes and they are beaten with rods. It says that they are severely flogged. Well, not only this, they are thrown into prison, into the innermost cell, and their feet are put in stocks. Well, this means that they were put in positions that were rather uncomfortable for the night. So literally, Paul and Silas, they need to be freed. And then there's the one... This individual, the one that we probably turn our attention to when we think of this story is the jailer. What do we know about the jailer? We know the jailer is responsible for the prisoners. If the prisoners escape, well, it's going to be his life for their life. He is going to receive the sword if they escape. And that's what he's about to do. He draws his sword. He's about to kill himself. We also know it's thought that this jailer was also responsible for, for part of the punishment. So he was probably one of the people who helped to beat Paul and Silas. So here is this guy. Here is this jailer. He has just inflicted punishment on, on uh, these two men who were accused of something for causing an uproar. He is responsible for putting them in the innermost cell. He continues to punish them by putting them in stocks. And now this earthquake happens. This would have been seen as a divine intervention for innocent men. The doors of the the prison, they fly open. Their, Their chains fall off. And this guy is probably thinking, I am on the wrong side of this one. The jailer needs to be delivered. He needs to be delivered from his sin, from his wrongdoing, and from his guilt. 
Well, this story is full of people who need to be freed. They need to be rescued and they need to be delivered. And that shouldn't be surprising to us today. Because then, just as it is now, we live in a broken world. And we hear that. We hear that a lot. That we live in a broken world. And for some reason we've been sensitized to this as if this were the way that it's supposed to be. That this is just a natural occurrence that the, the world that we live in is broken. But no, I want, you to, I want you to think that this word has teeth. There is a reason why things are broken. Our first ancestors, our first parents, the ones who represented all of humanity, Many, 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 many years ago, they chose to disobey God. They chose to disobey God's command. God said, you can do this, but you can't do that. And so they said, okay, let's do the thing we're not supposed to do. And they elevate themselves above God. And what they're doing is they are sinning. They are turning themselves away from God, and they are unleashing sin into all of God's good creation. And this sin is pervasive. This sin touches absolutely everything. So when we say that this world is broken, it's because of us. We are on the hook for putting creation in chains. So yes, it does make sense. It's sad, but it makes sense that there are people who are enslaved today against their will because their fellow human beings would rather make some money. They don't don't have a problem with sinning against their fellow human being as long as they're benefiting from it. And yes, it makes sense that people are enslaved to addictions, whether that's some sort of sex, sexual addiction, unhealthy addiction to lust, maybe it's an addiction to alcohol or painkillers or some other narcotic. We are addicted to anything that helps us to feel better, whether that's socially acceptable or not. Anything that helps to dull the pain because there is a pain underneath that is driving that addiction. Well, some of us are enslaved to our work, enslaved to money and to the status that is attached to our work. Or we are unable to break free to come home and spend time with the ones that we love because we're not willing to give up the money. We're not willing to give up that status, the feeling we get from being important. Well, some of us are enslaved in unhealthy and abusive relationships because this is the only place where we feel that we are even remotely loved. Again, brokenness. And then there are others who are just wandering, wandering lost in life, looking for anything that will make them feel better, looking in all of the wrong places for joy and peace, looking in a well that is only three inches deep. Who are the people in your life that need to be saved, that need to be rescued, that need to be delivered? Is it a coworker? Is it a family member? Is it somebody at school? It doesn't even have to be a friend, just somebody that you, you are in contact with every day that needs to be saved. What about us? Where do you need to be rescued? Where do you need, what do you need to be delivered from? Because we all have need. We are all broken. We all have sin. Where is it for you? Well, thanks be to God that we believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, 
our Lord. We believe in Jesus Christ, Jesus whose name means the Lord saves. In the beginning of Matthew, when the angel comes to Joseph just before this boy is to be born, he comes to Joseph and says, you are to give him the name Jesus, Jesus, Yeshua. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Oh, beautiful. He will save his people from their sins. The deliverer, the rescuer, the savior. Well, the jailer comes to Paul and Silas. What must I do to be saved? Well, there's a lot behind this question. Well, this jailer had an encounter with Paul and Silas. These are the men that he had helped to beat, helped to punish. These are the men that uh, he put in the innermost cell, the men that he put in these stocks. These are the men who didn't complain. These are the men who didn't seek out revenge on the soldiers. These are the men who were quiet, kind of. They were quiet except for when they were praying. They were quiet except for when they were singing out hymns to their God. These are the men who in the prison doors flew open and they had every opportunity to escape. Well, these are the men who decided to stay put. So yeah, they are going to ask, what do I have to do to be saved? I see something in you. I see this inner peace. I see this confidence. I see that you are a little bit different from everybody else that I've come into contact with. How do I get what you have? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's not something that you have to do. You don't have to do anything. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And from there they go on to speak the word of the Lord to the jailer and to the household. And so they tell him. They tell him about the prophets of long ago who were all pointing toward Jesus. About Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. They told him about the prophecies that were fulfilled when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. They instructed the jailer and this household about Jesus, the way that he lived. This man who lived in Jerusalem only a few short years ago. They told him about his life and his ministry. They told him about the people that he encountered. They probably told the guy about the other Romans. This is a Roman jailer. They probably told him about the Roman centurion, who Jesus had very nice things to say. They hopefully and probably told him about how Jesus was a healer. About how one time there was a paralyzed man who was unable to walk, who was carried by his friends to see Jesus. And when they couldn't get in to see Jesus because the house was so crowded, they came up on the roof and they, they, took, they tore a hole in the roof and they lowered their friend down on his mat in order to see Jesus. And Jesus, when he saw this man who couldn't walk, saw his greatest need and he said, Friend, what do you say? Your sins are forgiven. Oh, sweet balm over this jailer's soul. And then they told the jailer and his household about how the Romans and the Jews, Romans and the Jews, 
how they crucified this man because he claimed to be God. And how this man was justified. How he was vindicated because they went to look for him on the third day and he wasn't there. He wasn't in his tomb anymore. Because God had raised him from the dead. And now, not only was he Lord over all life, but he was Lord over death itself. And they told the jailer about how this man, Jesus Christ, was taken back up into heaven. And how there is no other name by which humans are to be saved. Jesus is Lord. We believe in God. We believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord, his only Son. We believe in Jesus. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, who is Jesus? What do we mean? What do we mean when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ? What do we mean when we stand and we profess those words together? We mean that we believe, that we trust Remember last week we said, I place my trust. I trust that Jesus Christ saves me from my sin. He saves me. He not just saves me. Specifically, he saves me from my sin. Well, there are a lot of problems in the world that we live in. There are a lot of things that turn the world upside down. But at the root of every single one of these is sin. Sin is the problem. God has a certain way that he wants his people to live. He ordered this world to work in a certain way. And when we go against that, this is called sin. This screws everything up. This breaks relationships. This breaks uh, things in our lives. It breaks our relationship with God and with each other. And so we can talk about there's personal sin that I commit, that you commit. There is personal sin that is committed against us. There's a very personal aspect to sin, but then there's also this larger idea of a corporate sin, this system of sin that we live in and that we are a part of. The main problem that we face is sin. And the problem, really the problem is that we have gotten ourselves into this mess. We are the ones who are responsible for this sin as humans. And as much as we think that we would and we can like to get ourselves out of this mess, we are unable to. We are in a giant mess, unable to get ourselves out of it. But Jesus can But Jesus can, and Jesus does. Jesus, whose name means the Lord saves. Jesus, who is the rescuer. Jesus, who is the deliverer. Jesus, who brings freedom. The Lord saves. And now I want to have a special moment between us, our relationship. Remember, we're getting getting to know each other. I want to have a special moment between you as the congregation and me as the pastor because, well, this probably, this probably isn't you, but just in case, just in case, you see a new pastor come in, and again, this isn't you. Maybe you think, 
that this pastor is going to bring healing. This pastor is going to bring change. This pastor is going to bring renewal. This is not you. But maybe you think, without saying these words, this pastor is going to save us. I want to pump the brakes right now on that. Because it is only Jesus who is able to save. It is only Jesus who is the Son of God. It is only Jesus who saves us from our sins, who went to the cross to save us. I am just his flawed servant because I want you to heap praises on me. I want you to think that I am going to save you. That feels good for me, but it is not good for me, and it is not good for you. So what we are going to do is together we are going to turn our gaze toward Jesus, the only one who saves. The only name by which humans are saved from their sins is Jesus Christ. So we're going to do that together. And what we're going to find is that as we place our trust in Jesus, there's going to be freedom. There's going to be freedom for us to turn our gaze outward. You think about Paul and Silas. Look at Paul. Paul knew exactly what he was getting into when he cast this spirit out of this girl. He knew the problems that this was going to create. My thought is that that's why he waited a couple days to do it. He wasn't ready uh, to go through this just yet. You think Paul didn't know what was going to happen or knew that he was giving up his chance to escape when he stuck around the jail? Paul was so firmly rooted. I should say Paul and Silas. We'll give Silas credit too because he's named in there too. Paul and Silas were so firmly rooted in Jesus Christ as their Savior that in him they found absolutely everything that they needed that they were able to turn their gaze elsewhere. They turned their gaze outward. So when those doors of opportunity flew open, when these doors of opportunity fly open for us and we are able to remove ourselves from this position of discomfort, no, we can stick around. We can stick around and be uncomfortable. We can stick around and give up our freedom so that somebody else might experience life, so that somebody else might be rescued. When we are so firmly rooted in Jesus Christ, we are able to turn our gaze toward the other, trusting that Jesus will take care of our needs as we live for him, as we walk in his invitation for us to come alongside of those people who are needing, desperately needing to be saved, to be freed. So friends, by the power of the Holy Spirit, may we turn our gaze toward Christ and so be freed. Experience his love so much that we just cannot help but to turn our gaze toward the other. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. God, we are thankful. We are thankful for your word that tells us that you are a God who saves, that you are a God who is intimately concerned with where we are, with what, are, what we're doing right now. God, this week, this day, may we be cast only upon Jesus for our salvation. Help us to know what it means when we say we believe in Jesus, that he is the one who saves us from our sins. That you are so good to us. You are such a loving God. And we thank you for that. Be with us now as we worship you for your love. Amen.